Hebrews 4.13 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. God sees everything, including the state of our hearts. The people of Malachi's day awaited the coming of their Messiah. But as we will read tonight, restoration of God's people has and always will start where the real issue lies, with the restoration of our hearts. So the first reading tonight is Malachi 2.17 to 3.5 in your pew Bibles. And that will be on page 676 of the Bibles. You have wearied the Lord with your words. How have you wearied him, you ask? By saying, all who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord, and he is pleased with them. Or, where is the God of justice? See, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness, and the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be accepted to the Lord, as in days gone by, as in former years. So I will come near to you for judgment. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, and perjurers, against those who defraud labourers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless, and deprive aliens of justice, But do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. Our second reading is from Romans chapter 13. And we're going to be beginning at verse 8. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandments there may be, are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbour as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbour. Therefore, love is the fulfilment of the law. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armour of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Thanks, Lynn. Uh, All right, well, good evening. My name is Ed. I'm the congregational pastor here at 645. uh, And I'm really excited to be opening God's word with you and helping us understand some of its implications for our lives tonight. Uh, Just before we commence, uh, we will be having a question time after tonight's sermon. Um, So it's an opportunity to write a question down or something that you've been 
looking to ask or something doesn't make sense tonight, and you can ask that after our, after our sermon. So let's turn to God and ask for his help in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your word speaks into every part of our lives. We thank you that it teaches us how to relate properly to you and how to relate properly to one another. Help us to understand simple truths in profound and life-changing ways tonight. Amen. Well, uh, let me share with you a little bit about the first neighbours that I ever had when I first moved out of home. Uh, Bridget and myself, we moved into a, a very small apartment block of 12 apartments right next to Wilson Craft Station. And uh, about three months into our lease, my dad excitedly came to us and said, uh, Edward, uh, my, my mate from golf, his son is going to be moving in above you in the apartment. I'm like, great, it'll be fantastic, I'll have a friend. Anyway, turns out my dad's mate's son happened to be an amateur drug dealer. So, uh, so we would have people rolling off the train at all hours of the night, kind of like throwing rocks at his window to try and get his attention because they need to pop up and see him. Uh, and then, then in our letterbox, uh, I found that I used to get doubles of all the promotional material and junk mail, and uh, I had my suspicions about the guy in number six, who I thought just shifted them across into my letterbox. And then I'm not sure if you've lived in an apartment, but every apartment building has the matriarch of the apartment, don't they? The, the lady that we had was living underneath us, and this was the lady who would write the notice to all residents uh, about the importance of leaving the door closed the day after you just moved some furniture in or out. And, and uh, she would really, you know, um, just keep a watchful eye over everything and, and embarrass you in front of everyone. Uh, I could go on and, and talk about the smelly cooking neighbours in uh, level one, but, uh, but we know that uh, God has actually asked us to love our neighbours, hasn't he? Uh, God has, has asked us, how are we as Christians going to relate to these people. Uh, I know how I'd like to relate to these neighbours of mine, but how are we as people who have experienced the mercy of God, how is that going to transform the way that we relate to our neighbours? If we know our Bibles well, we do know that our neighbour is not just those living close to us. Our neighbour is perhaps a person sitting in the pew around you whom you've never met before. Uh, Your neighbour is your friendly barista who gives you your coffee in the morning before you go to work. And your neighbour is the annoying businessman who rushes past you and almost knocks that coffee out of your hand as he tries to get on the train. Well, here's the big question for tonight. Here's the big statement. It's actually, you know what, it's a statement that I'm sure that you've heard before. It's a truth that I know that you'll be familiar with. But it's a truth that we all too often forget. Here it is. I haven't turned this on. I'm facing it the wrong way. Oh, that way. In view of God's mercy, love your neighbor as yourself. What we want to do tonight is we want to unpack that statement. We want to work out what that means for us. And then we want to ask the question, why should I love my neighbor as myself? And we want to ask the question, how can I love my neighbor as myself? Let's start with the mercy part of that statement in view of God's mercy. To do that, we're going to go back to our title verses of the, this Romans section that we're going through. So I'd love you to open your Bibles and come with me to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. 
Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's rich kindness to you and to I, how have we seen God's mercy so far in Romans? Uh, we've seen that he has elected us. He chose us to be his people. We've seen God's mercy in that he has justified us. Uh, he has taken away our sin and declared us innocent in his sight. Tonight we're going to see another element of God's mercy to us. And that is that God has glorified us. That is, God has made you a promise that on the day that Jesus Christ returns, you will be with him in glory. So we have seen God's rich mercy. In view of that mercy, how are we as God's people to respond? Let's keep reading. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. We've been thinking a lot about the idea of true worship. God has called us to true worship. Let's take a little tour through Romans 12 and 13 to see how that, what that true worship looks like. True worship affects the way we view ourselves. Chapter 12, verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. True worship transforms our relationships with our Christian brothers and sisters. Verses 4 to 8 talk about how we are part of one big body. Verses 9 to, uh, to the end of the chapter talks about how our love for that body must be sincere and real and deep. And then chapter 13 tells us how true worship affects the way we relate to those in authority. Verse 1 of 13, everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. And so tonight, tonight, God blows it wide open. He says true worship is going to affect the way you relate to absolutely everyone, or as the Bible coins it, to your neighbour. Let's start uh, going through our passage. Uh, it starts with a brilliant segue from last week. Verse 8 tells us, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Just in the previous verses before this, Paul had been talking about how true worship uh, will, will, affect, will, will mean that um, as Christians... It's important that we pay our taxes. But the, uh, the easy thing about tax is that you only have to pay it once a year. Often with tax, you can pay it at your own convenience. But the debt to love, well, that's a debt that is due every day. And who's it due to? Absolutely everyone we meet. So we want to, uh, we want to go through our, our statement, love your neighbor as yourself. We want to work out what that looks like. What does it look like? To love. Well, love is to seek your neighbor's highest good. Uh, loving someone, loving your neighbor, will mean that you don't do things necessarily always for their comfort. You don't do things that won't upset them. Uh, love means seeking the best and highest good of your neighbor. And, uh, and the ultimate and best good that you can do for your neighbor is to draw them closer to the God whose image that they all bear. So what does it look like for me this uh, past few weeks to love my neighbours? It's meant simple things. It's, uh, it's meant at Woolworths. I, uh, I asked the checkout lady how her, her day's been. 
and, and I actually listen and find out how her day's been and care. Uh, loving my neighbour has looked like inviting my next door neighbour over for dinner and his children because his wife is away. So, uh, so we did that. Loving my neighbour has meant that I wrote uh, a little card to an elderly lady just next door to us whose granddaughter is dying. So we wrote a card telling her that we're praying for her and a Bible, shared a Bible verse. And loving my neighbour actually meant, this was a bit of an awkward one, but as sensitively as I could, um, I asked a, a friend to not use God's name as a swear word. That was loving my neighbour. So that's what love looks like. It's to seek the highest good of those around us, to seek their highest good. But there's another way to look at what love is, and that's uh, what Paul unpacks uh, as in verse 10 he says, love actually just does no harm to its neighbour. Paul helpfully goes through and, and, unpack, and, uh, and goes through four of the last five commandments from the Ten Commandments, and he shows us through them how love does its neighbour no harm. So let's read through them in verse 9. The commandments. Do not commit adultery. Adultery, it robs people of their homes and it robs them of their honour. Do not murder. Murder robs people of their lives. Do not steal. Stealing robs people of their possessions. Do not covet. Covetousness robs people of their contentment and their peace. So Paul says, love does its neighbour no harm. At its essence, love is seeking the greatest good of our neighbour and love is also seeking to do them no harm. Well, let's move to the next question. Who is my neighbour? This, uh, this is the uncomfortable news. Your neighbour is everybody, everyone you meet. You might uh, remember the story that Jesus told us uh, to teach us who our neighbour is. He told us about a, uh, a man, a Jewish man, who was on his way down a road to Jerusalem, and he fell into the hands of robbers. He was left for dead on the side of the road. And then Jesus asked, who was a neighbour to this man? Because a priest walked by him and didn't attend to him. A Levite, a religious man, walked past him and didn't attend to him. And the man who did had every historical right not to stop and care for this uh, Jewish man. Because he was a Samaritan. And there had been centuries of enmity between the Samaritans and the Jews. The Samaritan was a neighbour. Everyone is our neighbour. Jesus told us this story to teach us that it doesn't matter if you like someone or not. It doesn't matter if you even know someone. Everyone is our neighbour and Jesus has taught, taught us that we are to love them as we love ourselves. Well, let's, uh, let's move on to what it looks like to love our neighbour as ourselves. I want to give you just a, just a quick moment to think, what are the things that make it so hard for me to love my neighbour as myself? I'll give you 10 seconds. You know what? There's, there are so many things that can get in the way of us loving our neighbours, and I've thought of a few. Uh, I've thought of ourselves. Sometimes we get in the way of loving our neighbours. I know I do because I've got my own agenda. Uh, I need to do exercise every day and uh, I've got a, a time frame that I'm running on and my neighbours don't fit into my schedule and that stops me loving them. Sometimes our comfort gets in the way. It's uncomfortable to love a stranger, isn't it? 
are sometimes we might perhaps not be loving ourselves well. So we have no capacity to love others because we're just run ragged. We're tired, we're weary, we've got nothing left to give. Time, that's a big reason we can't love our neighbours. We fill our time with everything uh, and, and it takes time to love someone and we don't have any. Perhaps you feel like you don't have any more love to give. And there's going to be seasons in life like that, aren't there, where the needs of your immediate family uh, or, or um, perhaps if you have children and the, the needs of serving and loving them each day, that just drains you of your capacity to love. But start small and start simple. Perhaps you don't know where to start. There's just too many neighbours. I do find that it's easier, I think, to love people who I don't know because all you've got to do is smile at them you know, and, and be polite. Uh, but God has always been on about starting close to home, loving those whom you see the most. So start small, start close. Perhaps uh, it's inconsiderate. Um, I know for me, I was very guilty of just not even seeing some of my neighbours. In my previous job, I didn't even notice the cleaners. I, I kind of treated them as furniture, um, but God says that they're my neighbours and I've got to love them. Uh, perhaps um, you think that your neighbours won't love you back and so there's no point loving them. Uh, perhaps you think your neighbours are selfish and self-centred and so why would you want to love them? But we could go on. There's, there's a number of reasons, aren't there, why we don't love our neighbours. But let's turn instead... And let's ask the question, why should I love my neighbour? What should motivate me to love my neighbour? And what's Paul's answer? Let's have a look in verse 11. He says, and do this, love your neighbour, understanding the present time. Verse 12, the night is nearly over, the day is almost here. God has told us that our day of salvation is looming near and near. There's something about deadlines, isn't there? <clears throat> deadlines drive you to, to get up and get going. And God has promised that there's a day coming when Christ will return. And on that day, you and I who have believed in Jesus Christ, we will be with God in glory. But the tragic thing is, is that on that day, most of the people whom you interact with every day do not have that same promise from God that they will be with him in glory. And so, today, halfway through verse 11, is the day to wake up from your slumber. Today is the day to love people into the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter if you don't like people. It doesn't matter if you don't know them. People's, our neighbor's salvation matters more than our preferences. Today is the day to be loving people into the kingdom of God. That is why we are to love our neighbor. Well, <clears throat> how, should we, uh, how should we love our neighbours then in these last days? Because Paul's got a few good ideas for us. Let's have a look at, at what it looks like. Verse 12, he says, The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armour of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness. This is a list of behaviours, behaviours that are unbefitting those who belong to the day of salvation uh, and behaviours that at their heart are unloving. Drunkenness. Drunkenness is unloving. Uh, when you are drunk, you are insensitive to the needs and concerns of others. When you are drunk, you lose control of your tongue. 
If you are drunk, you, you perhaps might find yourself justifying immoral behaviours. Let's carry on with what he says. He says that we should not be involved in sexual immorality or debauchery. It is unloving to be sexually involved with someone you're not married to. God has told us that they are potentially someone else's spouse, and so it is unloving to do that. Debauchery, it is an unloving behavior. I thought of pornography, an unloving industry, uh, unlovingly harming people who look at it, promoting an unloving industry that's destroying lives, uh, and unlovingly affecting relationships that uh, a relationship, a sexual relationship with a future spouse you hope to have. Neither should we be involved in dissension or quarreling and jealousy. Quarreling, jealousy, backbiting, arguing, these are all unloving things. Uh, they ruin, they harm the relationships that you seek to have with the people that you're jealous of. We are to have nothing to do with these behaviours. We are to leave them behind. He says, put off that, put on the armour of life. But you know what? We get it wrong, don't we? We find ourselves getting involved in those kind of behaviours and we find ourselves failing to love our neighbours as ourselves. So, verse 14, Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't it good as Christians that we know Jesus got it right where we got it wrong? Isn't it good to know that Jesus always loved his neighbor as himself? Jesus gave up his life for his neighbor. That's you and I. Jesus forgave us of all our failures. Jesus gave us a new hope. Jesus set us on the path again. And so now, clothing ourselves in Jesus we have another chance to get up and get going, loving our neighbours as ourselves. Clothe yourselves in Jesus Christ. There's a, another translation called the Contemporary English Version, and it has a great phrase. It says, Let Jesus be as near to you as the clothes you wear. So fill your mind with Jesus Christ. Keep talking to yourself, filling yourself with his promises. Say these things to yourself when you get up in the morning. Uh, I am a child of God. I am a forgiven sinner. I am a servant of the Most High King. I'm a citizen of heaven. Pray these kind of prayers for yourself, praying Jesus' promises into and over your life. Pray, God, thank you that nothing can separate me from the love you have for me in Christ. Help me to show that love to my neighbours today. Pray promises like, God, thank you that I'm a new creation in Christ. Thank you that the old is gone, the new has come. Help me today to leave those behaviours of the dark, of those dark deeds of the night behind me. Fill your mind with Jesus. Fill your heart with Jesus' love. You must be reading this book. You need the Bible. It is a full and oozing of love for you. You need to be reading that each day and reminding yourself how deeply God loves you. And then fill your life with Jesus' attributes. Clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness, goodness, all those wonderful fruits of the Spirit. Memorize those and do what Jesus did. Live, clothe yourselves with Jesus. And Paul says at the same time as cultivating that new uh, spiritual nature in Jesus, he says strangle the old sinful nature. Strangle those old desires. Read it with me, the end of verse 14. Do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. 
I read a, uh, a really helpful um, verse from a song the other day that I think um, really captures this. There's all sorts of ways you can strangle or, or not think about your sinful nature. I think one of the most helpful ways is just to fill your head with Jesus. Uh, nourish your soul with him and, and then malnourish your sinful nature. These are great words. They're from a, I don't know where they're from, but they're really good. It says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Fill your life with Jesus. Starve, malnourish your sinful nature. And in that way, Paul says, you'll be loving your neighbor as yourself, responding appropriately to God's mercy. It's a, it's a really huge task, isn't it, that God has set before us. Love everyone as you love yourself. Think about how many neighbors you're going to pass between here and getting home tonight. And God's called you to love them all. Where do you start? Well, um, you, you might have heard of the, the story of the young girl. Uh, she was walking along the, the seashore where thousands upon thousands of starfish had been washed up on the shore. And the little girl was walking along one by one, throwing the starfish back into the ocean. And uh, a, an adult walked up to her and said, oh, Sweetie, what are you doing? She said, I'm saving these starfish. And he said, Oh, look. What's the point? There's, there's so many of them. There's thousands. You'll never make a difference. To which the girl bent down, picked up another starfish, tossed it back into the ocean and said, I just made a difference to that one, didn't I? What if every single Christian in this church tonight had that same attitude of the little girl? What if with every encounter that we had with our neighbours, we show them just a glimpse, just a smidgen of God's amazing love and mercy. It, it might just be a smile. It, it could be giving up a seat on public transport. It could be praying for someone, sharing a Bible verse with them. It could be inviting them to church or Christianity Explored. But like, like a, a, a dot painting comes together, little dot, little dot by dot, all at a time, and it comes together to make a great mural. What if with every interaction that you and I had with our neighbours, it comes together to them to paint a great picture of the merciful and loving God whom we serve? What if on the day when Jesus returns, the day of our salvation, we stand in glory with him and we see that we have loved many of our neighbours into the kingdom of heaven? Wouldn't that be great? Don't you hope you get caught by Jesus, loving your neighbor on the day he returns? Let me close for us in prayer. God, you have shown to each one of us amazing mercy. Thank you that we have been promised a place with you in glory. Help us to love our neighbors like you love us. Help us to love ourselves well so that we can love those around us. God, please may our love, by our love, may you extend mercy to our neighbours. And God, may we see many people who have been loved into the kingdom of heaven on the day when Jesus returns. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.